When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of the VanCast, and this one feels like a post-game show because we're talking about uh, all of this after what was a very uninspiring performance against the <laughs> Pittsburgh Penguins. Vancouver loses four to one. Drancer, uh, you and feels I like went, a post-mortem. Oh my Forget goodness! It. Because it feels like what's about to happen <laughs> is almost inevitable right now, doesn't it? Uh, I mean, is it? Like, I don't know what's about to happen. All I know is that everyone's waiting on something, and it feels like you know. There's a term for this, a catch-all term for this within the industry, and it's called bad shit. And like we're in, we're in a bad shit point in the Canucks season. Like it's so dispiriting, right? It, it feels it's hard to watch on the up from the outside. Like I was watching Morning Skate today, Farhan, and I'd never say this before a game. And and so you know, if you want to say post hoc analysis, like you know, go ahead. But I was watching the game, the the Morning Skate today, and I looked back at Batch, and I was like. This team even sucks at morning skate. (laughs) You know, and it's like they don't, you know, like there's talent here. It's not, it's not that they're actually this bad. It's just that it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy when the noise turns up around the organization and trade rumors get into the room and, you know, everyone is beginning to feel the heat and wondering where the accountability will fall. And we know that something's coming. We know that changes will be made. It's just that they're not here yet, and the organization doesn't seem to want to rush things. And while you can say that's a positive, like you don't have to have the answer. You don't have to have the answer to a, to begin to address this. Like it's okay to make a decision to drop the guillotine so that everyone stops waiting and like have an interim situation and launch a search and take your time like it's fine you don't need to have the answer but for whatever reason it just feels like this organization's stuck you know the the analogy i'd almost use is like wiley coyote when he's gone off a cliff and then he looks at the camera right and then he holds up the sign and then his body falls and then his eyes fall it's like we know that wiley coyote has fallen off a cliff but he doesn't know that yet And we're just like waiting for him to notice. So the sequence that we're expecting can begin. And it's just like, it's gone on for too long. It's like, it's like, get to it, get to it at some point, get to it because this, this sucks. And it just feels like everyone needs a breath of fresh air. Like everyone just needs some relief. It sucks on so many levels. And, you know, I I was surprised because I asked, I asked Bo Horvat about this after the game. And I said, look, do you guys worry that at some point based on your performances, somebody's going to be made to pay the price, meaning Jim or Travis. And, you know, he he didn't answer in the affirmative or supportive or any of that. Um, he just said, it's nothing I can control. Well, I got news for you, Bo. You absolutely can control it. Your performances control it. Collectively, your performances control it. And your performances are going to lead this to happen. And, you know, you said before the morning skate, well, these, these are actually some good players here, but it's so dispiriting. Their energy is nowhere. And my point when I spoke to Travis after the game 
when you are when there's this much noise around an organization and there's this much chaos being felt and don't just say that everything's hunky dory because it's not right i mean everybody knows they suck everybody knows what the record is everybody knows that they're not playing well so when all of that is around you at some point you need to so show some level of urgency because you know heads are about to roll and so when I framed it to Travis, not from the perspective the way I asked it earlier, where I said, look, are you worried about your job? Now I just said, do you think the players understand where this whole situation is at? And he just didn't want to really acknowledge it. But the fact that they have to know where they're at and yet they show up and turn in that kind of first period, that first period was horrific. 16 to 9, they got outshot, and that was generous to the visiting team. They took three penalties in that period, gave up power plays, and then finally at the start of the second period, the first goal goes in. But for a team that should, you know, have that much to play for, how could you be that bad? Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, you know, and I look at those goals, like, think about the first goal. The first goal. Sidney Crosby enters easily on the power penalty kill, like the Canucks are on the penalty kill and dumps it off to Brian Rust and Pullman kind of loses Rust and Myers comes over and cheats to help and Pittsburgh recovers the puck and it goes up high to Latang at the left point because he's on his one timer side and Pearson goes up to check Latang and at this point in the sequence and I'm not kidding you Farhan, Sidney Fucking Crosby, the best player of his generation, alone at the net front. No one within four stick lengths of him. No one, not a single Canucks defender down low. And to top it all off, he's not even the only guy down low. There's two penguins in an overload situation, and Latango's D to D, and Lamico comes up high, and there is no one within three stick lengths of the best player of his generation. And yeah, guess what? A goal was scored five seconds later. No kidding. No kidding. I'll double down. The exact same moment happened on the first Penguins power play oh. in the first period. I know. Where Crosby was left save. open, was I left know. that much in clear. Um, Demko makes a great save. And then you get another Pearson stick break moment, right? Oh. But they, they were lucky it didn't happen then. But that's the problem is it, it like it didn't just happen on the goal. No. And, and it happened another time where... Face-off win, shorthanded. Puck goes back. Tyler Myers steps around Tucker Pullman. He's got time and space to clear. Like, a lot of time and space. And he hits JT Miller in the back with his clearing attempt. And then, <laughs> both him and Tucker Pullman rush the mid-slot forward. And then, and, like, completely uncovered scoring chance at the net front from the Penguins. And it's just like, this is Bantam quality defense. Like hey, this hey, is, hey, my son plays Bantam. Don't go there. Yeah. And and he has a tougher time finding guys open at the net front. You know, like, I'm, I, I don't mean to be a jerk. Like, I can't play at a Bantam level. Your son's way better than me. I can barely, I can't skate backwards. Like, <laughs> I, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to be a jerk here. I'm not like a systems guy. I'm not a coach. I'm certainly not a player of any merit. But like, yikes, man. Yikes. The Tucker Pullman giveaway on the third goal. Uh, Hughes, Hughes had a bit of a mess of a game. And when Hughes is off, like I just think about all those Myers and Pullman plays that are just so soft that just kill possession. You know, Ekman Larson wasn't on either, but like the other guys, oh man. And then 
you know, Luke Shen. Who, like who gave every- the puck away on the second goal? Was it uh, was it the pass across to nobody? Was that Pedersen? That was Pedersen with the yeah. giveaway. Yeah, and then and then compounded by a bunch of errors from a lot of other players, including Hughes and Myers. And then, but I mean, you know, I'm thinking about all these possessions where it's like even the things the Canucks did well, and then it ends up on the stick of Luke Shen for a 60 foot shot, and it's like that counts on the scoreboard as a shot which is why the shot clock looks like it was close. But that's not a shot. It's a it's a giveaway. It's a giveaway. Like, there's no chance that anything's happening there. I just, this blue line can't connect play. They, they're they completely exposed against any team with speed. We saw it again tonight. Travis Green called it out again tonight. And, you know, I feel, I, I just feel bad for these guys. Like, you know, I feel the need to reflect the mood of the fan base. And I'm the only reporter there in in person, right, who's not, a play-by-play guy that travels with the team who's in a very different type of job, right? And I think Batch does a good job of balancing and asking the occasional tough question considering his role, but you know, he's not there to he's not there to do the interrogation, right? And so, you know, I'm asking these sort of like short like what can you do? How do you fix it? Are you guys working hard enough? Is everyone bought in? I'm just sort of going with the short quippy questions cuz what else are we going to do? And I just feel bad, like I feel bad for Bo and I feel bad for JT Miller constantly trotted out into this spot, you know, like constantly forced to do this song and dance. And, you know, Bo, like, I wish I had answers for you guys. I thought that quote spoke volumes. I thought JT Miller's non-answer to the question, is everyone bought in, um, spoke volumes. And, you know, I mean, I don't know, like, there's nothing, there's no solutions. There's no solutions. There's no answers. It's just kind of a mess. They've regressed. Right. So, you know, one of the things I asked Travis was that, yeah, defensively, your structure was somewhat better, even though their personnel is limited. Right. But the train wreck chances we saw minute after minute last year with no fan hockey, um, it hasn't been like that. You know, the bigger problems that, yeah, we, we know their, their blue line has issues, but they haven't been as exposed. It's been more a case of the penalty kill. And then specifically, their best players aren't scoring. Right. But now right. when you see the turnovers, and when you see just the level of carelessness that this team is playing with and the lack of connectedness that this team is playing with, it now looks like last year, compounded with the fact they can't score. So they're actually taking steps backwards because there's just nothing there. There, there There's nothing there. <laughs> yeah, they're actually less successful than they were last year when they were dead last in the All-Canadian Division. Yeah, 15 um, points right now through 20 games, which is one less than they were a year ago. And... um they look every bit of it. I mean, you go through this game, it was shots were 69 after the first period, 20 to 10 about midway or five minutes into the second. And then all of a sudden the Canucks had like a 33 to three edge and it, it tied the shot total. But when the Penguins had that level of run, it was high danger scoring chances. When the Canucks had theoretically that level of run and outshot the Penguins by 10, it was all kind of meh. You know, there really wasn't a lot generated. It was just that it wasn't all coming against them in wave after wave. It just looked like a lot of neutral zone play. No, I I know. It was a lot of neutral zone play. I mean, the Canucks didn't have a lot of dangerous chances. They didn't have a lot of five alarm chances. And then Horvat does what Horvat always does, which is, you know, he's going to get a chance with the f- five minutes remaining in a game in which they're trailing. But it just doesn't even matter, right? And well, in Bo postgame... You know, he said it's unacceptable. I got news for you, Bo. When you say it's unacceptable that often, it's become acceptable. Like when the first time he said it, we're like, okay, Bo's calling out his team. And that's a strong statement saying this is unacceptable. This is going to stop. I'm going to see to it. Like that was the implication. Now it's every game. That's unacceptable. Yeah. You know what? I think it's a good point. And 
I mean, you know, that's out of our control too, as a comment for like, Hey, someone's going to maybe pay the price for this. Like, do you feel, you know, like contrast that with Hughes running his hands through his head, his hair, right. And being like, yeah, I take that personally, you know, and that's Hughes who's extremely calm, like extremely chill. Um, yeah, I mean, the vibes are brutal, brutal off this team right now. Like the, the body language on the bench is so dispirited. It's not fun to watch them play. I mean, it doesn't, it's not fun to be a Vancouver Canuck right now. It's not fun to be a Vancouver Canucks fan right now. It's not even fun to talk about the team. You know, like it, it's just, it's just kind of miserable as we wait. And again, wait for this guillotine to fall. Wait for Wiley E. Coyote to finally succumb to Looney Tunes, like Looney Tunes physics. You know, like Looney Tunes physics. That's what we're waiting on. Well, it's Looney the, re- Tunes. the reality is, is that when they, you know, when you have performances where you lose five, four and you've given up three power play goals, but five on five, you've done great things. And not that it's a, you know me, I'm not a moral victory guy, but you can at least point to something and say, all is not lost here. We need to fix this little element. Well, right now it looks like all is lost because the PK, they gave up one goal on it and it hasn't looked as awful as it did earlier. I shouldn't say that because you had the Sidney Crosby moments times three, but nonetheless, like that is not what cost them this game. When you, it's when you lose this type of game, it's when you lose the type of game on the three game road trip in Colorado and Vegas and so on uh, in Anaheim. And when you lose that type of game, those are the coach firing games, right? Um, And it's hard, right? Because you asked the, I think it was IMAC that asked the question that have you basically done everything you can do here? And, you know, we kind of got a, a non-answer, but I think the answer is yes, isn't it? Like, I don't know that there's anything else Travis Green can do with this particular group of players in the emotional state they're currently in. Because uh, I'm not saying no. they've tuned him out. They've just checked out. Travis Green could definitely help this group if he was two right-handed top forward quality defensemen. That would be a way to help. But yeah, I mean, short of that, no. And and I, I mean, you know... I don't know that it's going to be salvageable for Green behind this bench long term at this point. And that says nothing of what I think of his culpability in this or the fact that, you know, I think he's going to have success elsewhere as he resumes his NHL coaching career whenever the dust settles in Vancouver. But I mean, feels like everyone knows players, coaches, management know that this situation is untenable. Except the people who actually write the checks and call the shots. Like that's sort of where it feels like we're at. And and that sucks. And that especially sucks with, you know, uh, on the eve of American Thanksgiving. You know, like what I mean, we've got 62 more games to cover, Farhan. We've got 62 more games. This is going to be a long season. Meaningful games in January, my friend. We might not get meaningful games in in December. Yeah, you know, I used to go through this cycle with with every year of covering the Canucks where, you know, you'd, you'd cover them. It would struggle. Uh, They would struggle at the start, and then I would go off on football coverage, and I would go, you know, do three rounds of CFL playoffs, do a bunch of NFL stuff, NCAA football, and then I would come back in February, and it was over, right? Like, they were out of it at that point. It was pretty much an afterthought. And the last couple of years, or sorry, well, last year it was, but I just kept, I wasn't necessarily on the road, but, you know, the bubble season and, and, and now, like, it's been a little bit different because they've been, uh, you know, they, they were relevant that year, two years ago, and then last year was just kind of, you know, complete mess, but it's been, it's been, it feels like I've gone back to that, right? That uh, just from a coverage standpoint that I'm about to take off and I'm going to do some, some football stuff 
and I'll still be watching every single game while I'm away. But by the time I get back, it's going to be a whole different deal in terms of relevance or new coach or new, like who knows what it's going to look like, but it can't keep looking like this. No. And I, I honestly, I was looking at the five and five numbers. I kind of thought they'd have a good trip. I thought they'd have a good, a dead cat bounce. And I was trying to make the point that even though, you know, I see some trend lines happening, like obviously Mia culpa on the, on the Pedersen is, is about to break out yeah. call. Maybe I'll be right. Maybe I'll be right against Columbus, but I'm not, I'm not holding my breath. That was, I thought, I thought that one maybe it was his worst performance of the year, to be totally honest with you. Yeah, it was up there. Um, you know, I, I think I've under, I think I underestimated in looking through those numbers and seeing some positive trend lines, just how flat this team is in terms of their heartbeat right now. Like they're flatlined. There's nothing there. It f- feels like there's nothing there. Um, yeah. I mean, what, what, what else is there to say? Like, what else is there to say? There's, this team doesn't have a heartbeat right now. Yeah, you know, when listening to um, a bit of the intermission coverage on the, uh, on six fifty on the right shoulder, and even they were carving the team, which tells you everything you need to know. Uh, you, you know what I mean? Well, like, I don't know if you listen to the Canucks Hour, Farhan, but it's an well, hour of the most <laughs> salacious hot takes carving the team every day. Well, that is Monday true. to Friday. You, you've always <laughs> you've been the exception since you got on that show. But uh, as far well, as on Halford and Bruff, House of Negativity, yeah, and I, I mean, whatever. I, I think I think six fifty is very balanced. I say. <laughs> but it, it's been While tightening my 650 tie on my 650. Yeah, no, shirt. I know, but it's it, <laughs> listen. I mean, it's just hard to find anything good to talk about. It's hard, you know. And I, look, if you're listening to this, I apologize if we're bringing you down. You know, I used to listen to this show all the time when I'd go for runs, and it would bring me up. And I hate the thought that I'm bringing people down based on what we're watching. But I, I just don't know how to put lipstick on this pig right now. And the sad part is, is that it, <laughs> it just feels, as you say, the Wiley Coyote analogy is a pretty good one. It all just feels like this is inevitable. And I understand what Jim said last Thursday, you know, as we approach day six since all of that, but we all know that these are fluid situations that can move fast as much as the Aquilinis haven't necessarily moved fast, given that we've seen eight years of this. Um, you know, w- when it happens in the end, there usually is a sprint to the finish. And it's not, it's, it is how you lose. It's not just that you lose when it comes to this situation, right? Because they've endured so much for so long, you really have to be able to not see light at the end of the tunnel. When you see uh, a team that's playing great five on five and it's just the PK that you need to fix. And, you know, Thomas Strand says the trend lines on Pedersen are higher. You can view it one way, but all of a sudden, after a game like that, it's just hard to view. There is no positives. There are no positives. I mean, there's nothing. It's just, it's just not good enough, and it's not close to good enough. And I don't know, I don't know how you fix it without significant surgery and and a revamp of direction. And you know, I, I don't know, I don't know what the holdup is. I really don't understand it. Um, you know, some troubling names leaked out in connection to the role today. Uh, clearly, clearly, there must be some level of disagreement over what to do at the ownership level. That's the only possible explanation. Um, but, you know, I, I, I mean, it does feel like something needs to give just so people can, like, move forward. Just so just so that there's not these, like, the, not, you know, just move past this doom and gloom right now. This, this team yeah. is so gloomy. It sucks. Well, it's really we, I, bad. I want to talk about some of that news and some of those names that are um, all of a sudden in the public sphere first, though uh, we're going to take a quick break as we collect ourselves and try to find some positivity or at least a different direction in all of this. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So, Drancher, let's start with JT Miller. We touched on it the other day, but the rumors out there that the Minnesota Wild reached out to the Canucks uh, and inquired about his availability in a trade. Now, I spoke to some people on the other side of that story, and I'm told that that absolutely didn't happen. Now, I'm not suggesting for a second that a reliable source didn't offer that to Coos. I, I'm, this is not a criticism of Ben at all. But my understanding from Minnesota, there is no chance that they reached out to the Canucks on JT Miller. Yeah, I mean, d- both sides are denying this as vociferously as you can. And Travis Green called it out as fake on Tuesday as well. So, uh, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, not a huge headline for me if a, a team did call about one of Vancouver's good players, right? Like, that's not the headline. The headline would be like, team calls about Tucker Pullman, right? Like, that would be the big news. Well, the headline is, you know, because the implication of that story is the Canucks are listening and they're open for business. And that was the takeaway, right? Yeah, I mean, I I think the census is that um, JT Miller is part of the solution. So, yeah, I mean, look, at the end of the day, all sides are denying it and denying it in the most vociferous and and forward and straightforward possible terms. Um, and, you know, there's also Brock Besser trade rumors out there. Besser's agent commented to it to Dollywall. I have a piece up at The Athletic talking to him about it, why he's not sweating the latest round of trades, rumors and speculation in which Besser says, basically, like, I seem, I, you know, I think I'm a core guy. I don't think. I'm going to get traded, but you know, it is old. Like I am sick of this happening every f- couple of months um, as he should be. I, I can't remember a player of his stature being so frequently traded by the, by like, you know, media and Twitter and social media in, in my time following this team. So, you know, kind of just is what it is at this point for Besser on that contract. Uh, this is a contract year for him. It doesn't help that he's had a slow start, but uh, I thought he had some interesting comments on it. I, I also thought, his effort was pretty apparent tonight, even while the team was just not going at all. Yeah, look, there's, there's, um, it's pretty clear watching some of these guys that, you know, like, let me ask you a question. If you, I'm not suggesting JT Miller wants to get traded or the Brock Besser wants to get traded, but, you know, on some levels, everybody wants a reset. Everybody wants an escape from this situation. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. The only people that don't want to get traded are you and I. <laughs> um, well, well, no, and, and listen, we're not mean, suggesting that a bunch of Canucks want to get traded, so let's not. Go no, on, but, but no, but it's miserable, and and you know, in, instead of looking, it's not in the shape of every guy pulling on the rope; it's in the shape of every guy standing in a circle, pointing their finger at the other. You know what I mean? Like that's what this team looks like right now. Or just now. their head, their heads pointed down, or yeah, or just downtrodden, and and you know, no one wants to be in that situation. That is completely miserable. So, uh, you know, all of that said, 
all that said, I do think that the way, well, I, I do think part of it is the pins and needles of anticipation. You know what I mean? Like it's hard to focus on the way up the roller coaster, right? Like that's just kind of where we're at. Yeah, look, there, there's truth to that because I do think you go through the ebbs and flows of this. And I think now a lot of the players probably are waiting, right? Like you go through a point where you grind and you try to fight your way out of it. But again, this isn't the first year of this movie, right? We've seen no. this now for two straight years. Yeah, COVID was part of last year, but understand that they struggled long before COVID hit them a year ago, right? And we know why they struggled because of what ownership did or didn't do. That doesn't change the fact that they lost a hell of a lot and it sucked. Yeah, and now and they've he, and now they've won three of the last fourteen games. So here they are again, and you know, like <laughs> this you, is but a historically my, bad start. Yeah, so this is this is where the team is right now, and and now you've got to sit there and say, okay, well, it's it can't keep going this way. Whereas a year ago, you went through it, then all of a sudden, it it kind of started coming out of a shell, and then COVID hit, and then now that excused everything to a point, right? Whereas here, there's just no excuses, but it is married to what happened a year ago because it's still losing. And there comes a point in every franchise where it becomes cultural, where it becomes systemic. And, you know, something violent needs to be used to shake the group out of it. And so I, so I, I do think that as players, they're probably at that point that we've done everything we can do. And now let's see what else happens here. Not that, you know, not that they're advocating or, you know, or doing any of that, but clearly their play, they've gone as far as they can go. Travis has gone as far as he can go with trying to reach this team as I see it. And you know me, I'm like, I don't hate him. I don't think he's a bad coach. And I hate the thought that he could potentially go because of it. But I just don't know what other card he plays with this group at this point. I mean, even we saw today Pedersen playing on a line with Lamico and Chase on. I know. Like, what cards What cards are left for him to pull as a coach? No, there's none. There's none. I mean, they had the no-show performance on the road, and he had the hard-ass practice in Chicago. He They had the no-show on the road in Colorado, and he had the no-practice in Vegas. You know what I mean? It's like, that means you've played both your cards. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you've done the hard-ass thing. You've done the... All right, guys, you go have fun, but make sure we win tomorrow uh, he, on Saturday. Could he, could he throw his stick into the into the stands? Yeah, I mean, Glenn, he could he go Glenn Gullitson? Sure, but no coach survives for more than another month or two when they go Glenn Gullitson or Mike Yo. Like, yeah. you know, that is that is truly the dead man's move. Um, no, and and also you kind of have to you kind of have to pick and choose. Like, you know, at some point too, you've got to be able to explain yourself in your next interview. You know. That's kind of that's kind of the spot that he gets put in the longer he stays here and has to sort of make minced meat out of this, right? Like um yeah, I mean, look, if it just feels inevitable that wholesale changes are coming. I, I think I think the organization's pretty clearly made that determination at a high level. I just think there's disagreement over exactly what shape and and the timing of it. And so we sort of wait and suffer and and you know. That's, I mean, that doesn't feel fair for anyone involved, but that's often how this organization has conducted itself. When you look at ice time in tonight's game, Elias Pettersson, 1248, right? The yep. only forwards that were above him, Yuho Lamico, um, or sorry, Yuho Lamico was yep. below him. Alex Chason was below him. 
that might be about it. Where was Tyler Mott in all of this? Tyler Mott was you above him, and yeah. she, you know, certainly, you know, it was only four penalty kills. It, you know, it wasn't it wasn't like an epic number where they just were in the box the entire game. What does that tell you? Ooh, what? <laughs> Vasily Podkolzin, sixteen twenty three. Yeah. Oh, and well, Jason I, Di- know, Jason Dickinson was the low man on the totem pole, playing seven thirty. You know, yeah, I know. He, big he off season bad, acquis- big off season acquisition. He had a tough game. I was thinking about it. I was thinking about like the Canucks script, right? Like, what's the Canucks script in terms of the way that these games go, right? And for me, it's like bad read, another bad read. An extended shift spent defending, right? Uh, a bad touch. A defender takes a harmless 40-foot shot. Um, you know, some decent cycle play ends up in not a scoring chance. Uh, puck goes back to the defender at the blue line, hops over his stick. They have to regroup. Uh, turnover on the forecheck. Another bad read. And then Niels Hoaglander does something that is, like, pretty good, is useful and productive. And then you just repeat the cycle. And that's what it's like watching the Canucks right now. Like, r- repeat ad infinitum. Here's a positive. They actually won 62% of their draws, so they had the puck to start play on a number of occasions and couldn't do anything with it. JT wow. Miller was 15-6 and six in the circle. Even Elias Pettersson, 5-2. and two. Bo Horvat right around 500 at 10-9, and nine, you know, which is also part of what we don't see. So it's like, you know, they've got the puck a little bit more. They can't hang on to the puck. They, you know, they, they, they're not comfortable. They're careless. They spill it. Um First period, it was Pittsburgh with seven giveaways to Vancouver's zero. Yeah, it's because the Canucks never had the puck. You can't give it away when you don't have it. But what I'm saying is when you have it in the form of a turnover or in the form of a face-off win, you can't do anything with it because you're not playing with any level of confidence with the puck whatsoever. No, I know. It's, uh, uh, I mean, it's just so, it's just so bad. It's just so bad. It's it's cataclysmic. It's a smoldering crater. There are no negative superlatives that you can put on this that that do it justice. To be honest, it's hopeless, and that's the worst part. It's hopeless. This team is too young. There is too much under twenty five talent on this roster for this to feel this hopeless. But it does. It does feel hopeless. Um, and Travis was asked the question, I think, by you post game, and he's been asked it before. Or actually, sorry, I asked the question to Jim earlier, but you know, it was in relation to this type of player, this this young group of player that the roster's been turned over to. And yeah, okay, they've always been expected to score because they're just talented guys, but now they're expected to lead. And are they mature enough? And they're clearly not, right? And Travis kind of talked around it for a second and then said, Yeah, they're fine, but they're clearly not. I mean, you know, even Jim used words like fragile, right? So the fact that they've got a lead, that's a weight this group can't overcome, and it's showing in what they've always done well. It's taken away from what they've done well because they're not equipped to do more. And leadership, quite often for me, it comes down to accountability, and that's what they're not good at. Meanwhile, the Canucks have yet to play a top five team in the NHL, our good friend Jeff Patterson points out. It's only going to get tougher. No, and and when they've played anyone half-decent... You know, they've, they've kind of been exposed. Like, think about those games against Colorado. Because Colorado uh, may not be a top five team in terms of the standings, but they are a top five team, right? And and when sure. a team plays like okay, that so with their did. speed, you know, I even think this Pittsburgh team's really good. Like, this Pittsburgh team's really fast. They're really structurally sound. They don't have Malkin. You know, like, they don't have some of their key weapons. But they have Crosby back now. 
And, you know, Crosby ate a bunch of people's lunch all over the ice. Like a, a lot of good players have done that. A lot of older guys have done that to Vancouver's young core right now. Um, game in, game out. Um, you know, they also haven't played the California teams other than Anaheim. And it's like, if they lose those games, it's over. It's done. We haven't seen them against Calgary. Calgary's got a lot of team speed and is structurally sound. Like, that's going to be a really bad matchup for this team, especially right now, especially because every team with speed exposes their inability to move the puck in transition. Um, yeah, I mean, no, I, there's no suspense now. Like, we, I usually like to wait 30 games before declaring what a team is. Um, this has been bad enough that, and they're so far behind the eight ball that it, that it kind of doesn't matter. Like I know I've seen enough to know that they're pretty much DOA in terms of having any relevant aspirations of doing more than being in the mushy middle this season in a best case scenario. Well, so where do they go now? They've got, they've got Columbus, uh, coming up later this week. They've got Boston and Montreal on Sunday and Monday, um, it just it, like for me, it just feels so different than it did a year ago because we knew how bad they were and how much they were struggling at that point. But you almost gave them a mulligan because you knew what ownership did to the roster. So it was so hard to hold these guys accountable from top to bottom, like from bending all the way down, um, down to, you know, to the 23rd guy in the roster. But, you know, at the same time, they were also basking in the glow of the bubble the previous year as to who they actually were. So now that's all gone. So, you know, reality I'm, I'm bites, to, like reality bites, right? I'm trying that's, to walk my I'm trying to walk myself through ownership and what they're thinking in this moment. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I mean, I, I they they must be disagreeing about something. Right? Or or they're holding fast to this idea that like we have to take our time and get this right and we can't make a move until we've solved it. And it's like, why? That does no one a service. No one is served by dragging this out further you know it well the reality is you probably need somebody else to solve it well sure but you don't need somebody else to solve it tomorrow in fact you can't solve it tomorrow anyway there's no magic wand here you know if you turn it over to an interim if you make the change at, e at either gm or 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 coach right or both right you can hand it over to an interim guy like there's no way they're gonna let this general manager hire a big name coach at this point, right? I think we all know that. So that's off the table. So if you do green for Shaw, that's pure PR. I don't think Shaw is going to get more out of this team, but you know, you can try it just to like for the appearance of action. Maybe that gives you a little bit of relief, but I, I kind of doubt it. And then, and then what, you know, and then what, and then you're still dragging it out and, and waiting for the other shoe to drop while the team continues. Maybe maybe you get a dead cat bounce for a couple weeks, like whatever. I mean, we, again, there's no suspense about what this season looks like for this team. It's still not good enough. So, you know, or you make the change at the top and let the next, like, launch a search, have an interim manage it for, for a couple months, go all out in terms of the search, and then figure it out from there. I mean, you know, I... I I don't know. Like, I don't know exactly what they're going to do, but clearly they don't have a clear idea of it. Um, or, or they do, and they just want it. Like, they're still hopeful that the results change and they can limp through this season with the guys that they're paying. Um, you know, which I still think is probably the most realistic course that they're trying to chart. And it's just getting more and more untenable day by day. You think if this type of loss continues to happen, that they will continue with the status quo to get through the year? No, I think they'd prefer to. I just think at some point their hand will be forced. 
I, I think they're I think they'd love to give the club a road this road trip, but you know, I don't think they can afford too many more performances like this. I think the anger in the market is palpable. I think people are so so fed up. Well, I mean, imagine coming home with that performance to the next crowd and what that would sound like. And we've been waiting for it to get ugly and it hasn't gotten ugly yet. Um, you know, there, there's certainly been rumblings and Jim acknowledged them last Thursday that, yeah, it's, it's, un, it's upsetting to him. Um, you know, I'm sure it's weighing on him. I'm sure it's weighing on his, on his family. I'm sure it's doing the same to Travis Green. I mean, these guys are, are human and it's, it can't be easy, but there will come a breaking point and, you know, there'll probably be some relief when that breaking point comes uh, along with the disappointment that, that follows it. But let, let's think micro for a moment and like, how do they recover to at least put in a better performance against Columbus? And then Boston's going to be a bad matchup for them, given the structure the structure of that team. They might get something out of Montreal because of how bad they've been. But just but look ahead of the opponents. It's a back-to-back. Yep. No question. Well, and the lesson of Columbus, and I want to talk about this really quickly, because I'm heading to Columbus tomorrow. I'm having Thanksgiving with Aaron Portsline. And the lesson of Columbus is this, right? Like, for so long, this team has been afraid, afraid of making the moves that would take – uh, would result in them taking a strategic step back for brighter days in the future, right? Everything has been shortcut, 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 expedite our path to contention, right? Everything. And the Columbus Blue Jackets just dynamited a team that sucked a year ago, right? And they're actually better. They're better immediately because there's fresh energy and fresh legs and there's some exciting young bodies and they made some smart gambles and, you know, Jake Bean is crushing it and Sillinger looks like he's... Uh, could be a meaningful prospect. And they've got Kent Johnson, the Wizard of Port Moody, just destroying the NCAA. And, you know, Bockvist's been in and out. Like, I don't think he's been stellar, but that's an interesting lottery ticket. That could hit. That could be an asset of value down the line to them, whether on the trade market or for their own team. Um, they've locked up all their guys. Elvis Merzlikens already has a contract. They obviously have to navigate what to do next with Patrick Lyonet. It's pretty clear that they'll chop Corpusalo. Um, you know, potentially Domi on the trade market, but it's like, look at what they've done in terms of positioning themselves for the future. And they're like 10 and six and they're exciting. And it'd be fun to support that team. If you're a fan and it'd be fun to cover that team. If you're a journalist, because they've got a plan, they've got a plan. That's all this team needs. Like at the end of the day, being a good team in the NHL means doing the obvious repeatedly. And this team's done what's not obvious repeatedly. R- repeatedly. And, and and with a certain layer like certain air of arrogance that like they know the right way to do it. Right? As opposed to just doing what is so clear to everyone else. And I mean, all they've done is aimed a Gatling gun at their foot. Death by a thousand cuts, bleeding value in every move. And that gets you to a point where you're, you know, multiple years into a rebuild. In fact, the clock is ticking on some of your young core. They're clearly fed up with this culture and being part of this and you don't have long enough to like restock in the way you need to, to make your team good enough for them to want to buy in at the type of like discount rate that allows you to be really, really competitive because you didn't do the hard work over the last five years while your team sucked anyway. Fuck Farhan. Well, let's, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and wrap this up because I do want to get into the issue of the young players and where they stand in all of this, both short-term and long-term. Uh, quick break, and we'll be back with that and wrap it up. So, Drancer, you talked about that, and that is just the young players being clearly fed up. Do you think there's any level of, 
I'm part of the problem in all of this? Or are they just too young to think like that? I'm sure there is. I think they all know that they haven't played well enough. Like, players know. Players aren't silly. You know what I mean? Like, they know when they're scuffling, right? But they also think that, why is it all on me? Right? Like, there is some of that, is there not? I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, like, here's Brock Besser to me today. It's been a tough stretch for me personally, and obviously for the team. And I set high expectations for myself to go out there and produce and help the team win. Lately, it's been tough. I just have to make sure I'm competing hard and get out of this funk. I mean, what, what more What more do you want? Now, Besser's 24. He's older than than Pedersen and, and Quinn. And and I think this is a, a, an important point. Besser's dealt with like real shit, right? In terms of his father's health, in terms of his life experience. You know what I mean? Like, I think he's got a different level of uh, maturity, uh, a different perspective on life than most 24-year-olds do as a result of that, right? And I, and I think that matters in shaping how he sees the world, how he processes things, how he, how he deals with the media even. But, you know, I mean, what, what more can you ask for, for than, than a quote like that from a guy who's, you know, battled injury, been extraordinarily unfortunate at five on five, and, you know, is still on pace for 20 goals, right? Like, I mean, what else, what else do you want? You know, I, 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 I don't, I don't think they're necessarily pointing the finger. I just don't know that they have the answers. Uh, you know, and, and it comes back to what Bo Horvat said. Like, I wish I had answers for you guys. Like, I don't have them. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not two top four right-handed defensemen. Yeah. No question. I'm not. And I'm not a right-handed center that, uh, that can play on the fourth line and do all of that. I mean, you, you know, he's even having to kill penalties from time to time, which has never been his strong suit. But given the fact that they need somebody on that side to, to win some draws in those moments. Uh, yeah, I mean. I'm not Tanev. It, I'm not Foley. I'm not Jared McCann. I'm not Jonathan Dolan. I'm not one of the million bets that have been made that haven't paid off over the years that have put us in this fucking mess. Like, so where do, they the go, where do they go now? Like if, if you're, like you had said, from a, from a player standpoint, if, so, if, an, if the other shoe drops, does the pressure just get taken off and now you can play freely? Because it's happening. I mean, that's the theory. Regardless of whether you wanted it to happen or not, it's just happening. That's the theory. I don't know. I don't know if that's exactly right, but it does feel like, I mean, it feel, and, and maybe I'm projecting. Maybe it's because that's what it feels like to me. I wake up every day and I'm like, okay, am I, you know, when am I going to be situated to cover this in case anything goes down, checking with my sources, anything coming today? Like, what should I be aware of? You know what I mean? Like, it's, that's how it works. Um, does a so trade maybe make any kind of that's how I'm experiencing like We understand it, the culture not, GM makes a big looks difference. Like does a trade make up, any kind of a difference? Right? It certainly. And also when things start going badly, like bad shit snowballs. And, you know, that's why it's hard to get back on track sometimes once this starts happening. Like once everyone's collar gets tight, it becomes harder to motivate for a coach because every game could be your last and every decision. Like, how do you want to go out? How do you want to be treating people on your last presser? Like, you know, that becomes top of mind and same thing for the gym like he can't you know i can't make the moves i don't have the autonomy that to, to fix this and oh my goodness and you know and then and it just snowballs it, it impacts everything and i do think that's probably what the team's dealing with I, I i don't know that precisely i certainly feel like that watching and covering them um but it makes sense it makes sense to me and i've been through the last days of, of various regimes and that's sort of how it goes down 
Yeah, it, it's it's difficult to watch because it just feels so predictable at this point. But, you know, when you look at it from a player standpoint, I mean, it's it's so weird to kind of wrap my head around because they say the right things. JT Miller himself has been really, really candid about his play and the fact that he thinks he needs to give more. But you get out on the ice, it's the same thing. It's the same habit. It's the same trap. It's the same starts. Like it, it just it feels like Groundhog Day every time you watch this team play. Um, but I like I said, I wonder if a trade like if a player got moved, is that enough change? Is that enough? I mean, obviously, it would depend on who. But, you know, would the players feel, okay, they're making an effort to fix this. They got us a right-handed defenseman or they got us a right-handed fourth-line center or whatever it happens to be. Um, is a trade enough or does it have to be significantly bigger? Well, I don't know. I mean, there's big trades. Like, you can make a big trade, but I, I just – you have to be careful making those right now, right? Like, I think – I think you have to assess where you're at. And I don't know that you want a management team that hasn't exactly seemed to have the support of ownership, at least publicly. You know, it's not like last time where there was the Twitter thread. You know what I mean? That clarified the situation, right? Like, well, there's a time like that. But that was another thing. I'm not saying it helped in that moment, although it did for a couple of games. Um, No, but at least it gave clarity. Like, oh, we're standing by. Is it time? Is it time for ownership? Jim talked last Thursday, okay, and and since then it was a a, a tight win against uh, against Winnipeg and a couple of losses. Is it time for ownership to say something, or is Jim's statement last Thursday enough? No, of I mean, course. If ownership they comes out and says Travis isn't going anywhere. Jim's not going anywhere. We're not making that decision. Everybody, suck it up and figure it out. I I mean, it can't hurt. You can't do worse than where you're at right now. Because Jim certainly didn't offer a ringing endorsement of Travis. Nope. Jim himself, when asked about his own future, said, you know, I can't control that. Right. So is it time for ownership? Because if you want us to stop asking questions for like a week or two, ownership needs to say something. Yeah, they do. For sure. No. Right? And Because and- until then, and, and I don't know that we're the problem, right? Because I, I've said for a lo- for a long time now. The volume of media in this market is significantly different and less than it was five years ago, right? From from six guys covering the team at the two papers, it's amalgamated to one, you know, like, or two people covering the team, never both on the same day. And, you know, it, like, how many people are on the road? It's the rights holder and you. I know. No, like I the know. The volume of people covering this, it's significantly less. So while we're on this podcast saying what we need to say, it, there's not that much noise and the locker room is not open. No, I know. And I mean, and it was a very interesting, it was a very interesting day for me, like post game, right? Like that was a very interesting availability to run through as the only reporter really there to do the grilling, right? Like that was a really odd experience. Um, but again, you know, it needed to be done. Like hard questions need to be asked right now and simple ones. Like this isn't complicated. This isn't describe how you saw your goal, Bo. You know, like no one cares. Doesn't matter. It was a great goal. It was a great goal. It's too bad it doesn't matter. It's too bad it didn't matter. It's too bad so many of Bo's great goals haven't mattered. Right? Um, but it didn't. And, you know, that requires a certain approach. And I'm sure it's not appreciated. Right? Like I'm sure... I'm sure it sucks. I'm sh- I'm sure I'm not going to get the best answers from guys the next time I see them all. But it has to it had to be done. It has to be done. And and that's just what covering this team right now requires. 
And it's clearly rubbing, you know, people are clearly annoyed by it, right? Like Besser's sick of the trade rumors. JT Miller is unaware of anything that happens on the internet. Um, <laughs> Travis Green, Travis Green has increasingly called out the media, right? Um, to J to Pat, uh, right before the, they left on this trip, right? Like, uh, if that's the story you want to tell with it, go ahead. Like, you know, it sucks when the rumors are fake. That was Tuesday. And then today, I was it in response to your question or, or Ian McIntyre's question? It was, question? yeah, to mine. Yeah, like there was another sort of, so, you know, it's getting to people, no question. Um, and it's getting to people even though there aren't a lot of people around. So, you know, again, this, this season and the cumulative collective failure of it has clearly worn thin with members of the organization. And I, I don't think that's surprising. I don't think that's unfair. Well, as we wrap this thing up, I, I'm glad you were there because like you said, those questions needed to be asked and they needed to be asked in person in many cases in order to get the best potential response. But I think the coach himself is out of answers. And, you know, it, it felt like a difficult show to do because we just kind of, for us, it was just one theme right now. There's just no point in breaking it down like we've done previously. It's just this group sucks and what happens now? And there's only so many ways you can kind of weave through that narrative. But um, that's what we're going to do. The Canucks play again on Friday. And uh, again, they've got games Sunday, Monday. So we'll probably be back at this on Tuesday. And um, who knows what it's going to look like at that point, my friend. But I know you're going to be out there asking the questions. And I'll be definitely doing the same once this team gets back home. Well, it's going to be really interesting. And, and look, they have some chances to set this right. Right? Like they have four games here. And, you know, as, as much as it's easy post game for us to be like, oh, boy, at some point, like it is just, you know, whatever happens, whether whether there are changes at the top or not, whether there are changes behind the bench or not. Columbus is, is a, it, that should be a winnable game. Uh, Boston, that's a hard game, but it's not an unwinnable game. You know, like they've got Demko. He's playing well. Pittsburgh could have scored seven without Demko playing well tonight. Right. Like. They've, there's enough there's enough here that they should be able to get it right on occasion. And if these performances continue on this road trip, I mean, you know, I, honestly, it's really hard to fathom how this market could react to that just because it's hard to fathom that, you know, we're here, that that's where we've gotten to at this point with a, with a roster that has this much talent on it, even though it is so poorly built. That, that's healthy, minus Travis Hammond. And healthy, yeah. No, I know. But uh, nonetheless, an, an inauspicious start to this road trip. We'll see what it looks like over the next three games. Meanwhile, uh, in other pods on The Athletic, Ian Mendez and Down Goes Brown have the Thursday edition of The Athletic Hockey Show right here on The Athletic Podcast Network. Meanwhile, thanks for subscribing to our VanCast. Please follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Don't forget to leave a rating and a review. You can also subscribe to The Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts to get all the bonus content from our entire network. Start with a 30-day free trial and then just 99 cents a month after that. And happening now until midnight on the 29th, you can get The Athletic's best deal of the year. It's $1 a month for 12 months when you visit theathletic.com slash VanCast. So go ahead and get the sports coverage you know you deserve because it doesn't get any better than this. And to our American friends, a happy Thanksgiving. Again, the VanCast will return early next week, likely on Tuesday.